the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Uh, welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, uh, right here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Uh, we always get together, and we're happy to, that you join us, and so is Alan Dempsey. He is our uh, engineer, cheerful little guy, and he just is doing a marvelous job. Couldn't get on the air without him. And, and of course, Andrew Herdlisk is our producer, and he sets all of this up for us. Uh, Steve Sterling is with us in this first segment uh, from Atlanta, CEO of Medical Assistant Programs International, author of The Crutch of Success. Interesting book, From Polio to Purpose, Bringing Health and Hope to the World. Uh, President Jimmy Carter did a nice little forward. Steve, welcome. I'm so glad we could visit. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, Pat, for having me on your show. Well, I want you to... um, dive into this book with us you you open up with a chapter called abandoned so let's go right there and start right there i want you to tell us about your opening uh, chapter well i'll be happy to when i was uh one year old i was born in south korea and when i was one year old my father went to a funeral of uh his neighbor's uh child had passed away but he didn't know the child his friend's child had passed away uh from polio and he brought came home and he uh, passed the virus to me. And it was really devastating because I was the oldest child, oldest son, that is. And so when I was uh, uh, five years old, they tried to do all they could to get me medical attention when the prairie was very poor back then. And they took me to Eastern doctors and tried to get me to walk and or to uh, jumpstart my uh, nerves and whatnot. But they, when they realized they couldn't do anything for me, they took me to, into a Christian orphanage called Hold. And literally, my father abandoned me there because he was afraid that if, if I had parents, that maybe they wouldn't take me in. And so uh, I lived in the orphanage for uh, about five years. Well, I have got to tell you a story right here, Steve. Uh, we have four adopted South Korean children. Oh, they're all they're adults now. And they were adopted through the Holt Children's Services. Wow. We're, you and I are related. Well, thank you for adopting you know, my, uh, two, adopt- two little girls uh, in 1983, and then twin boys who were five uh, came in 1987. In fact, uh, at the uh, airport in Philadelphia in September of 1983, when those two little girls were there escorted by a couple of off-duty flight attendants... Uh, there was Bertha Holt herself at the airport in Philadelphia with it, with us. Uh, wow, that is a verity. Wow. Which was a great thrill. And uh, so, Steve, we're, uh, we've got a lot in common here. When you, when you mentioned Holt, my, uh, my ears perked up. And uh, so that's, that's a beautiful story. All right, so now uh, we move from abandoned to life sentence. Uh, what's go- what are you telling us here? What's going on now? Uh, you know, uh, people nowadays, they don't want to get their children vaccinated, and that is a horrible life sentence because once you get the disease, you, it's there for the rest of your life. You don't recover, and once my legs and my back were, uh, you know, basically with the polio, I can't use them anymore. So it is a life sentence in that you will never walk again until I get to heaven. Christ. So it is, uh, you know, it's one thing to, oh, I forgot to vaccinate. Well, it really is a life sentence. And so uh, it, it's, you have to go through it because then I never walked. And it is truly a life sentence in that you cannot go back. Uh, fortunately, uh, through Christ, and um, I know one day I won't be able to walk uh, in heaven. But now it's, I, I have challenges uh, using lead braces and crutches. But again, you know, here, uh, through Christ, I'm able to do all things because of uh, what He provides me through His uh, 
word and his uh, the hope and, and glory. Steve Sterling, Executive Director, President, and CEO of Medical Assistant Programs. He, Steve earned his B.S. degree in Agriculture Economics at Cornell University. He got an MBA in Marketing at Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management and um, became a Christian and his world changed. And so now, Steve, uh, we're going to move to the topic of looking up. We've, we've covered abandon and life sentence. Now, what does looking up mean? You know, when you're um, when I was abandoned, I didn't have high or leg braces, so I, I literally had to crawl. And when you're on the ground, only thing you can do is look up. And where does the help come from? It comes from the heavens, from from our Lord. And so you have to look up, and you have to look forward. You have to move forward, and you can do that because we have hope in Christ. And I, one of my life verses is Ephesians two ten, where it says. We are God's workmanship, craving Christ Jesus to do good works which He prepared in advance to do. So that's what I mean by looking up. We have hope in life, and we can move forward because we. It doesn't matter where you start in life; that doesn't have to define you. But where you go, where you end up, is uh, up to you. But also, who you uh, put your place of hope on. And my hope is in our Lord Jesus Christ, and, and He's carried me through this far, and I know He's going to carry me all the way home. Steve, what does Sterling, with an E, Sterling's, with an I, Sterling, Sterling's, what, <laughs> ex- explain explain that. Well, you know, the Sterling is like, I guess, a cut above, whatnot, but, you know, my adopted family's name is uh, S-T-I-R-L-I-N, just Sterling, and, you know, Sterling, Sterling is that, you know, uh, we, my parents adopted six kids, four from Korea, from Holt, and two from California, and God bless one of their own. And it's really about talking about, you know, what the Sterlings, my my parents, they are the true uh, heroes because, you know, my dad was an engineer. He didn't make much money. But through my mom and through faith, they adopted six kids, four from Korea. Had they not done that, I won't be here today. And obviously through the Holt, you are blessed with four children, and they're very blessed, by the way, to have you as parents. Uh, because there's no place like America and no, nothing with adoption for our, uh, our, our physical and spiritual adoption. So Sterling Sterling is really, you know, my, my parents are just wonderful people. My mom's still living. She's 89 uh, years old. And so I'm just so grateful to my parents for taking the chance of adopting me, even though, and by the way, they adopted my uh, uh, younger sister at the same time. So we had the three probably the most unadoptable teachers of children, First of all, we were siblings, we were older, plus I had a disability. So, and yet, they took a chance and adopted both of us. What's become of your sister? Well, my sister lives in uh, north of San Francisco in Santa Rosa, California, and we stay in contact all the time, and she's a dental hygienist and leading a very productive life. She's an avid soccer player and has a beautiful daughter and and a great uh, life in uh, north of San Francisco. My guest is Steve Sterling. Great story. Uh, the book is called The Crutch of Success. Um, wonderful read. And uh, Whitaker House put the book out. Now, what does pomp and circumstance mean? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, you know, it was interesting. When I was in uh, junior high school, I asked my mom and dad, where are the best colleges in the United States? And they said, well, uh, Stanford and Ivy League schools. I said, you know what? I'm going to go to one of them. Ah. And they, they said, well, Steve, you know, we adopted six kids, and we don't have much money, and they're very expensive. And secondly, they're very hard to get into. And I said, well, God will provide. And they probably thought I was crazy because I was not that smart. And sure enough, you know, through prayer, I ended up going to Cornell uh, and then Northwestern MBA. So it's it, it's really just a miracle story. Again, all things are possible through Christ, and uh, I'm just a perfect example of it. And and I'm still obviously on the road home, and so just so thankful for my adopted country, the U.S., and my parents, and and my family. And there's so many things to be grateful for, and that's why I wanted to share my story to give people hope. And our only hope is in Christ. Uh, let's talk 
about this next topic, but we got to take a break first, Steve, and then okay. we'll be back. When we come back, I want you to talk to us about New Life Saga. Uh, Steve Sterling is with us from Atlanta. The Crutch of Success is his interesting book. Well, here's the, here's the story, folks. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, we gather like this every weekend, been doing it for years, and always so pleased when uh, you have the time to, to visit with us. Uh, you're listening to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, Steve Sterling is with us, and Steve, as advertised, uh, New Life Saga is the next topic that I want you to talk about. You know, um, I never had any idea that I would work for a nonprofit. Uh, my, once I got my MBA, I was climbing the corporate ladder at uh, Johnson & Johnson, uh, working on Tylenol business. In fact, I was uh, after Philadelphia, your hometown, in Fort Washington, PA, uh, for three years and then helped launch Advil and boost nutritional drink and I was climbing the corporate ladder, so I had no plans whatsoever to go into nonprofit. But when uh, Bertha Holt, whom you met, passed away, I was on the board of Holt International for nine years, and this would have been early 2000. When she passed away, uh, I, I also, by the same time, I got laid off from Ameritrade, so I had the time to travel to attend the funeral of Bertha Holt, the founder's wife, and she really built Holt uh, International Children's Services. So when we went to the orphanage to attend the service, I met one of my childhood friends, and his name is Kyung Soo. He has severe sort of palsy, and he was in a wheelchair, so he was smiling at me, so I thought he must be my friend. So I asked him, Kyung Soo, uh, do you remember, remember me? And my Korean name is Myung Soo. He said, yes, I remember you. And I said, what are you remembering me about? He said, Myung Soo, you used to beat me up all the time. Mm. And I felt really bad because I'm very strong upper body and so what happened is I was the only handicapped kid to go to a regular school. And at the school, kids would constantly pick on me physically and verbally. So my frustration when I get back home to where the, all the handicapped kids were, I line them up and I took it out on them. I felt really bad. And I said, uh, Kyung Soo, would you forgive me for what I did to you growing up? And he looked me right in the eye and he said, Myung Soo, I forgave you a long time ago because Jesus forgave me of my sins. And when he said that, I was speechless. And I started thinking to myself, what am I doing with my life? And I, for the first time, I started praying to God, God, what do you want me to do with, with my life? And then I found out the Holt initially, at the beginning, was helped by Bob Pierce, the founder of World Vision. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how uh, I, I did some, some search on the, the web and learned about World Vision. And after many interviews, I got hired uh, at World Vision in Seattle, Washington area. And that was my first nonprofit job. But uh, King Su was a big part of that. And it was interesting, Pat, that uh, during the same time, I been, when I got the offer from World Vision, I also had an offer from uh, Hallmark as Vice President General Manager in Kansas City. Mm. Uh, but the verse that God brought to my mind and, uh, as I was uh, think, praying about this was that John, uh, John uh, uh, when he's talking to uh, John 435, when his, Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, you say another four more months in the harvest. I tell you the truth: the field is ripe for harvest now. What God was telling us was go to work at a nonprofit called World Vision now. Don't wait till you retire. So that's what we did. We we literally uh, God used uh, Kyung Soo, uh, a man that's you know bound in his wheelchair, trapped in his own body, to use him to tell me to go and work at a nonprofit, and that's where I'm today. What about <clears throat> the chapter called Rough Sailing, Steve? What's going on now? <laughs> you know, uh, we, we have, uh, you know, one, once I accepted Christ as my Savior, I did not accept him as my Lord until seven years later. And it was really rough sailing because my wife, Suki, she accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. But I'll accept him as my savior. This was in uh, uh, 87. And so for seven years, I gave her a very hard time. I made fun of her, and I just, I would, you know, I just gave her a hard time. Uh, 
and she's a saint to stay with me that long. But then uh, she finally gave up and said, Lord, if you want to change these, you change them. So then I ended up in a Promise Keeper event in 1994 mm. in June in the RCA Dome in Indianapolis. And the pastor said, the worst sin in your life, I'm thinking, what is your worst sin in your life? He said, the worst sin in your life is your pride because your pride steals God's glory. All of a sudden, he's talking to me. I'm thinking, you know, what I'm, you know, what I've been taking all the credit when God was answering every one of my prayers in the orphanage when I was in Alaska and uh, all of that, and yet I was taking credit for it. You know, I, was, I prayed to God, God, would you one day, uh, I skipped the girlfriend altogether, I said, would you one day give me a wife that is kind, that's gentle, that is wise, and also make her beautiful, you the God of the universe. And my wife, she actually, uh, I asked her to marry me on the phone from Chicago, and she said yes, and God was answering every one of my prayer, but I was taking credit for it. And so since since then, our life has been much uh, smoother now. Some challenges because I now make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Now, Steve, tell us about shoots and roots. What's that mean? Shoots and roots. Well, you know, <laughs> um, where you know where we begin, uh, where you put your 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 roots into, it's not where uh, you necessarily will end up because. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might be born in a place called Korea, like your children, that end up in the U.S. But then your true roots is who you put your hope on. And, you know, for me, it was in business for a long time. It was in career. It was on materialism. It was on uh, success, possession, all of that. But then the true roots is really in when you talk about who your life belongs to. And with purpose, and that is for me, is uh, God's plan for my life, and and uh, and that is in, you know for God's purpose in my life, which is to through what He has planned, the work He gave me a long time ago to do in the beginning of time. Steve Sterling is with us <clears throat> from Atlanta. His book is called The Crutch of Success: Past, Present, Future. You do a whole chapter on that, Steve. Uh, what are you telling us? You know, uh, we, uh, you know, I'm, I guess, sort of uh, in my uh, fourth quarter, if you will. If you, I mean, if you look at uh, football and whatnot or basketball, second half. Uh, but, you know, we, our life is never finished. You know, when we retire, uh, God still has a plan for you. And for me, it's to share the love of Christ with people who are hurting. And in my job, uh, when I travel, people ask me, because they see me in crutches and braces, and they ask me, you know, why are you here in the middle of nowhere, in, you know, Nicaragua or Guatemala or in Africa? And uh, I say, well, because uh, I want to sure God loves you. And so by just being present uh, in places where I'm not supposed to be, people ask me those questions. And so then I guess it gives me an opportunity to share about what God is doing in my life. So that's always the most important work that we have, no matter what we're doing. Steve, tell us about uh, beginning again. What, uh, what do you, what, what's happening in your book now? Beginning again, interesting chapter. Uh, it's, um, you know, when, when I was, uh, got a call from a recruiter at uh, MAP, and this was over five years ago, uh, the recruiter said, I have a, we have a perfect role for you as a CEO of MAP. And I said, MAP? Who uses MAP? Everybody has GPS. And he said, no, it's, it's a medical assistance program. And uh, I told the recruiter, no, I'm not interested, because I had told the previous CEO, a child fund, that I'll be there at least three to five years. And I was only there two and a half years. So um, basically, I came home, told my wife about it. She said, you said they're a Christian organization. I said, yes. And she said, well, don't you think we should at least pray about it first? I said, oh, you're right. So when we prayed, God showed that he had prepared me uh, for the role, you know, having had polio, having life experiences, having had worked at uh, corporations for 18 years and nonprofit by then 15 years, and and then having this organization map, which provides medicines for people who are suffering around the world. 
WHO estimates there are 2 billion people in the world that do not have access to life-saving medicine. And MAP were able to uh, obtain medicines. There are still good medicines that are not expired from pharma companies, and then we raise money and ship them all over the world, mostly in containers, but also medical missions, doctors that go on trips. And so now we're able to help uh, roughly 10 million people a year. So uh, it is such a privilege for me to be a part of the organization at MAP to give people a chance so they, too, may realize their God-given potential. You know, we take for granted the medicines that we have to extend a life uh, for hypertension medicine, cardiovascular diabetes, and asthma, as simple as antibiotics. But most of the world does not have it. That's why uh, we work towards to help those people in need around the world. Steve, uh, as we get to the end of the book, there's a chapter you call Full of Anticipation. Uh, what's going on in your life now with that? You know, um, it's this this book here. I, um, I just kind of genesis of it. I, people kept on asking, especially my wife, um, to write a book, and I said, no, you know, I don't want to tell people about me, and you know, there's other interesting people's stories, and it's about, you know, I don't want to talk about myself. But then I realized it's, it's not about me; it's about the Lord, and so that's why I'm a little excited about. Uh, uh, you, you know, talking to me about the book and your listeners and hopefully can read it and have the hope because we all go through struggles in life. And, you know, mine is more visible because I have questions on leg raises. But if you have any, you know, even you find perfectly normal, sometimes people have um, mental, uh, uh, you know, challenges, uh, uh, depression. There's so many different things that we go through in life. And if you can be of hope and help, of reading the book, and again, I, I'm, my personally speaking, this all, hope only comes to our Lord Jesus because everything else will let you down. But our Lord Jesus Christ will never do that because God loves us, and, and that's why I'm hoping that uh, that I can talk about the book and encourage other people, uh, no matter what they're going through, to have hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Steve, you close out your book with a chapter called "By Divine Appointment." Uh, tell us more about that. Every morning, uh, when wife, wife and I, wife and I, we can pray together normally, but when I pray separately, I always pray in, in with, I pray uh, for divine appointments and interventions, and then I wait to show up. And sometimes, uh, you know, when I'm traveling internationally, I don't know how I'm going to get through these places, and uh, you know, it's not always accessible. And divine appointment intervention, uh, God helps me through all the way. So, uh, and so I had, don't have to worry about it. Um, you know, writing the book, uh, meeting uh, Rich Whitaker uh, to by uh, Bobby and uh, Shirley uh, of, of Love a Child. Again, that's a divine appointment. Uh, and Rich Whitaker, uh, Whitaker House, uh, they wrote the book and helped me write the book. Uh, without charging anything for MAP, but we don't have that kind of money to do that. So it's another divine appointment. So there's so many divine appointment interventions that God um, provides each day. Steve, I want you to uh, tell us a little bit more, <coughs> excuse me, about <coughs> Medical Assistant Programs International. Uh, we got about a minute, 20 seconds. Just tell us a little bit more, please. Okay. Uh, MAP International is a 65-year organization. And we're a Christian organization that helps all people, regardless of ethnicity, gender, or religious belief. Uh, we help uh, roughly 10 million people get access to life-saving medicine. Uh, we get pharma companies to donate us medicine they cannot sell because it's getting closer to expiration date. They're not expired. And then we raise money to work with uh, mostly Christian partners, but many other partners, to distribute medicine to 10 million people. Uh, every $1 of uh, donation will provide $68 of medicine because uh, most of the medicine, close to half a billion dollars, are donated by pharmaceutical companies. Uh, we are, Our medicines that we uh, provide are hypertension, cardiovascular, diabetes medicines, and um, asthma medicines. Things like antibiotics uh, is also provided. So we help people get, have a chance in life. Uh, with 2 billion people, there's a lot of people out there who need medicine and MAP. We get the privilege of doing that. I invite your listeners to join us. 
because like a $10 donation, that will provide $680 with medicine that pe- for people in need. Steve Sterling has been our guest, author of The Crutch of Success. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Steve Sterling, our guest in that first segment, talking about his book, The Crutch of Success. Uh, Dr. Chris Thurman is with us. He's a charter member of the American Association of Christian Counselors. Uh, His new book is that actually it's revised and updated. It's called The Lies We Believe, Renew Your Mind and Transform Your Life. Uh, Chris, so nice of you to join me. I'm looking forward to our chat. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Chris, tell me about this revised and updated 30th anniversary edition. Uh, What went into all of this? Well, I had always, uh, throughout my career in counseling, I'd always been interested in how faulty thinking affected people's emotional health and relationships and uh, spiritual life. And so this has been a lifelong passion of mine. And uh, 30 years ago, I I had the opportunity to write on this area. And uh, 30 years go by, and the book is still out there. And uh, so I went back to the publisher and just basically said, hey, I think I've learned a fair amount since then that I'd like to put into the book. And are you interested in an anniversary edition? And they were very supportive. So uh, the effort to bring out a a new edition was to uh, update the book, put better content in it, uh, bring into the uh, whole area of the renewal of your mind some additional concepts that I think readers will find very helpful. Uh, Part one, Chris, your beliefs make or break you, and you write about our minds are under attack and the high cost of the lies we believe and pulling down mental strongholds. Uh, Can you cover that for us? Well, I think, uh, you know, even uh, folks who are not in the counseling field have always understood and and, uh, accept the notion of garbage in, garbage out. So I do think we have a sense of how important uh, what our thoughts are and whether or not we are believing things that are untrue and that uh, one of the bigger challenges of life, um, if we're going to grow and mature, is for us to get a more correct and accurate view of reality over time. So we have this uh, fight that we're in where we're under attack for what we're thinking. Our, Our own ability to think accurately is broken to some degree. And therefore, uh, part of the motivation for writing the book was I wanted people to have a book they could go to for help on this particular area, the renewal of the mind, taking thoughts captive, and uh, improving your view of reality over time. You move from part one now to part two, the lies we believe. Uh, The lies we believe about ourselves. Uh, Fill us in on that, Chris, uh, before we move on. Well, uh, one of the areas of faulty thinking that we all struggle with is how we think about ourselves. So in that uh, section or in that chapter, I go into uh, the deadliest ways that we tend to look at who we are. And I would, I would kind of uh, bring them down to the issue of shame. I think a lot of people uh, walk around with, fundamentally faulty views of themselves along the lines of shame. Specifically, I'm worthless. I'm not worthy of love. Uh, It's not okay to be a human being and make mistakes. So I think when we fall into those lies about ourselves, that we're more prone to be self-condemning, depressed, anxious, uh, and just, uh, I I think, uh, you know, the enemy uses these lies that we have about who we are, to really uh, grind us down and to keep us from going out there with happiness and joy and peace and confidence and optimism. In that section, you then write about the lies we believe about others. Uh, What can you tell us here? 
Well, we not only believe lies about ourselves, but we believe things that are wrong about other people. Uh, that's more the focus on relationships that we have with others. And one lie that I go into that I think is really important is the way that we think others are uh, capable of meeting all of our needs, that one person can meet and should meet all of our emotional, relational needs. That's not possible, and yet we think that way about given people in our lives. And another version is that I'm entitled to people loving me. I'm entitled to them meeting my needs. And that's a lie that we believe about others because it's appropriate to want people to be loving. But, you know, when we fall into thinking we're entitled to it, then we get bitter and resentful toward other folks when they uh, aren't being very loving. Dr. Chris Thurman is with us. Uh, The book, The Lies We Believe. Uh, Tell us about the lies we believe about life. Well, uh, we go out into a world every day, and uh, the world is full of ideas about how life is supposed to be. And uh, in that chapter, I talk about a couple that concern me greatly. One is that uh, it's all about your happiness while you're here. I think the world tries to sell us on the idea that the most important thing is your happiness, And I counter with the idea that the the most important thing actually is about your growth and your development into a loving person. And whether or not you're happy along the way, you know, it's going to happen at times, and other times you're going to be unhappy because you are working on becoming more loving and more giving. Another lie that I think the world will teach us is that you can do anything you set your mind to, the whole thing about human potential. And I don't think we should lower the ceiling over people, uh, but I do think sometimes we artificially raise it to where people start to think that they are almost God's equal, that they can do anything they set their mind to, which is fundamentally reserved for God. He can do anything he sets his mind to, but we're finite. We're, We're finite in our talents and abilities and gifts and The sky is not the limit for what people can pull off, but we do need to strive for, you know, growing and developing and leaving the world better off. Now, uh, let's talk about this topic, Chris, the lies we believe about God. Yeah, uh, that was, to me, one of the most important lie chapters in the book. Um, There's a quote, it's either by... um, A.W. Tozier or J.I. Packer, but uh, the quote is, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And I think that's true. I think fundamentally how you view God is what makes or breaks you while you're here. And if you view him through distorted lenses where you think he's mean and hateful or you think he's supposed to be Santa Claus and give you whatever you want, then you're not going to have a healthy relationship with him. So these false views of God, the not seeing God for who he really is, is really destructive to your spiritual health, your way of going about living life on this planet. Uh, we're still in part two, the lies we believe. Uh, how about this one, uh, Chris? The lies men believe and the lies women believe. Uh, what's the difference? Well, uh, I wrote those two chapters, Pat, with great fear and trepidation, I have to tell you, because I did not want to um, stereotype men and women. I think men and women both have been really deeply hurt by stereotyping of them. Uh, But um, while men and women have much more in common when it comes to the faulty views uh, that they hold I do think that there are lies that men tend to buy into that women don't, and that there are lies women buy into that men tend to not. On the male side, I think a lot of men walk around the planet thinking that they don't have what it takes to be a man, or falsely defining that as you need to be some kind of combination of James Bond or, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, so I do think a, men, a lot of men buy into this notion that they don't have what it takes to be a man. It's a hopeless thing. 
And yet God is very clear, I have equipped you with everything it takes to be a man. Let me help you develop it. Let me help you mature it. Let me help grow you into a full-fledged male. And on the women's side, I, I do think a lot of women buy into the idea that other people's happiness is their responsibility, that they're on the hook for whether or not other people are happy. And I think that burdens a lot of women. I think a lot of women walk around feeling guilt-ridden if their spouse is unhappy or their kids are unhappy. And so I, I, I get concerned for my clients when I see them buying into that lie and, and just all the pressure they feel to take responsibility for other people's emotions when the truth of the matter is people are responsible for their own happiness. I mean, if they're not happy, that's on them. And if they're happy, that's on them too. Uh, so that that uh, specific misbelief concerns me. Now, Chris, you move into part three of your book. It's called The Truths We Must Believe. And you open with an interesting topic. It's called The Truth About the Truth. Uh, which means what? Well, uh, in in writing the book, it just hit me that while the focus is obviously on the issue of truth, that there, in a weird way to say it, there are certain truths about the truth. One example would be that the truth comes incrementally. In other words, nobody just suddenly sits down and gets instant illumination when it comes to the truth. Uh, so I talk about, you know, that's an important thing to know about the truth, is that it's, it's like a puzzle. You know, you laboriously put it together over time, and you get more and more of it figured out. But some people think, you know, I'm just going to figure this out kind of instantaneously, and um, I don't have to work at it over time and labor over it. Um uh, Another example is that um, the truth uh, is a requirement for personal growth, that you cannot grow into a healthy, mature person if you play fast and loose with the truth. You have to let the truth set you free. And God is the source of truth. The truth is not ours, it's his. And yet we have to... Well, folks, thanks so much for joining us here for the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Steve Sterling was with us in the first segment, The Crutch of Success. He joined us from Atlanta. And then Dr. Chris Thurman, charter member of the American Association of Christian Counselors, Austin, Texas, his base, The Lies We Believe. I want you to uh, check out uh, the most recent book I've penned. It's called Lead Like Walt. And we look at Walt Disney uh, through the uh, focus of leadership. What was it about this man that made him such a great leader? And uh, his leadership ability still carries on today, 50 years or so after his death. So uh, check it out on Amazon. Uh, it's in bookstores in the business section. In the meantime, have a wonderful week ahead, and we'll be back next week. And for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, stay tuned. Always to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. I've home the notion that, hey, we're not to overindulge it, but we've got to quit being at odds with the fact that we make mistakes and that we make a lot of them. And we just have to focus on improvement and correcting our mistakes over time. You can't please everyone. <laughs> well, if any of the folks listening are like me, then a little too... Uh, prone to need people's approval throughout their life. And so some of us are really emotionally upset and bothered when people don't approve of us, don't accept us. And thus we start playing to the crowd if we're not careful. We start saying or doing what people want us to say or do in order to get their approval. And thus we sacrifice our integrity. So this one is about, look, we really have to accept the fact that not everybody's going to think you're the cat's meow and that that's okay, and that you don't violate your own integrity to get people to like you. My guest from Austin, Texas, Dr. Chris Thurman, we're talking about his revised book, The Lies We Believe. Uh, we've got another segment with Chris. Uh, I want you to stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. 
You're listening to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. And when we return, uh, Dr. Thurman is going to talk to us about these interesting topics. There's no gain without pain. Love never fails. It's not all about you. Life is difficult. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Dr. Chris Thurman is the author of The Lies We Believe. And Chris, as advertised, there's no gain without pain, right? That is absolutely correct. Um, Far too often we want to uh, get to a better place without having to um, do some hard work. So I I think uh, the importance of that chapter is, look, we we have to grow up enough to realize that if you want something that's worth wanting, you have to put in some sweat equity. You have to work hard. You have to suffer. Um, So a lot of times we want to kind of get there overnight and not have to experience any difficult challenges or setbacks, and that's why the Bible talks a lot about perseverance and not growing weary of doing what's right. Love never fails. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I think, um, I don't mean to sound like a critic of modern-day world living, but we've taken the word love and so distorted it that um, now we pardon me, we see it as more of a emotional thing or a, even a sexual thing. Uh, in that chapter, I'm just trying to drive home the notion that agape love, the highest kind of love, which properly understood is an effort to facilitate people's growth, never fails. Even if people reject it, even if they stiff arm it, it was not a failure. It was not a missed opportunity to try to foster people's growth. That's you loving them. And if you shift love over to meeting people's needs, if you're being attentive to people, if you're being appreciative, if you're being understanding, that's another way of loving people. And even if they reject it and throw it back in your face, the love didn't fail. It didn't come back void. Uh, So I just want us all to stay committed to being loving to other people and to know that anytime we're doing that, it, it cannot be... It should not be put in the loss column that that was us doing what we're supposed to, and we hope and pray that people will receive it. It's not all about you. Yeah, well, uh, in this day and age, we, I think, are increasingly seeing how narcissistic people are, and uh, it's like narcissism has been brought to a new art form. And so uh, that chapter was specifically designed to really try to pop that balloon about me, me, me. And, and I'm not talking here about we shouldn't be concerned about our own needs. I think it would be appropriate and wise to care about ourselves and to think about ourselves and to think about what we're needing. But in this day and age, again, there's just way too much focus on what's in it for me and people using others for their own glory or their own gain. And uh, I I think that's just counter to the humility that we're supposed to show as we seek to serve, not to be served. Now, Chris, I want you to talk about life is difficult. Well, another another kind of uh, issue in life is the tendency that some of us have to think that it should be relatively easy and bump-free. So I wrote that chapter to just drive home the obvious, which is, look, it doesn't matter, you know, where you live or who you are. Your life's going to be difficult because everybody's life has problems. Everybody's life has difficulties that come their way. And a lot of people kind of stiff on that. If they're not careful, they even get resentful that life kind of rained on their parade by throwing them a difficulty. So I'm just trying to drive home, look, let's let's grow up enough to accept that life is inherently challenging, difficult, painful at times, and let's go up to the problems and address them rather than run from them. Chris, tell us about you must change what you can... Accept what you can't. 
Well, I think another big challenge is the issue of um, how we struggle to accept what is out of our control. Um, and we sometimes don't actually take responsibility for what is under our control. So I think uh, back to the serenity prayer, um, there's a real emphasis, uh, a real impact on mental health, I should say, if we can accept what is out of our control and uh, do what we can to address what is under our control and be wise enough to know the difference and not to go out there, you know, trying to control the universe, but not go out there and be lazy about what is under our uh, control and what we can impact. And now uh, let's get into this topic. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, throughout um, <clears throat> self-help book history, we've, you know, been told time and time again that there are takers and there are givers. And um, not to be too simplistic about it, but that chapter is basically trying to say, look, as painful as it may be to be giving, as hurtful and sacrificial as that can be, it always comes back tenfold in some way. Even if it's just the satisfaction of having given to somebody and left their life better off. So I do think we need to lock down on that particular truth that it is a... A, a more blessed and happier thing to be a giver than a taker, and thus we can be on the lookout for what can I give to people today rather than what can I take from them. Explain to us you are a person of great worth. Well, back to the shame issue, Pat, I do think a lot of us struggle with a feeling of worthlessness, and unfortunately we tie worth, if we're not careful, to performance. So one of the bigger lies is that my worth is tied to my performance, and therefore we have performance-based worth. And since our performance goes up and down, then our sense of worth does too. So in that chapter, I was trying to drive home that worth has nothing to do with your performance. It has to do with one thing and one thing only. You are an image bearer. God made you in his image, and you have worth and you don't have any more or less than anybody else on the planet. It doesn't matter who anybody else is or what they've achieved or what they haven't achieved. Worth is tied to you were fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, and therefore you are priceless and you, are, you have worth. Don't go out there trying to earn it through performance. And then explain to us the world owes you nothing. I do think uh, more than a few of us, I know I can struggle with this, uh, walk around with entitlement uh, running the show. And mm -hmm. so that chapter was trying to address this entitled attitude that a lot of us have. The world owes me a job. The world owes me health. The world owes me housing. The world owes me, it owes me, it owes me. And it's like, look... <laughs> Don't want to be too harsh about this, but the world owes you absolutely nothing, okay? Now, is it okay to want a job? Is it okay to want housing and food and clothing? Sure, absolutely. I'd worry about you if you didn't want those things. But in our world today, those are turned into entitlements, and I think it just makes for a bunch of people that are never truly appreciative for what they get. Chris, let's close with part four, the truth will set you free. What would Jesus think? The humility of Christ in interacting with people and staying the course and renewing your mind. Fill us in. Well, as I did the rewrite, and Pat, I didn't quite see this as clearly 30 years ago when I originally wrote the book. Uh, I really felt like I began to see, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, more clearly that... Um, the mind of Christ, which we're told to develop, is a mind of humility. But first and foremost, that's what characterized the thoughts of Christ, is that they were always humble. That he came out of heaven and became a person was humble. That he came to serve, not to be served, was humble. 
that he came to seek and save the lost was humble. So I, I think if we're going to get a 30,000-foot view of what was the mind of Christ, it was a mind of humility, that he did not stomp around the planet feeling entitled to love. He didn't feel he was owed anything. He didn't take. He gave. And, and I just think it's important for us to realize, you know, that's the, that's the big picture of what the mind of Christ was and is. It's a mind of humility. Dr. Chris Thurman has been our guest. <clears throat> We've got to wrap up after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the noon AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Stay with us. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining us here for the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Steve Sterling was with us in the first segment, the crutch of success. He joined us from Atlanta. And then Dr. Chris Thurman, charter member of the American Association of Christian Counselors, Austin, Texas, his base, The Lies We Believe. I want you to uh, check out uh, the most recent book I've penned. It's called Lead Like Walt. And we look at Walt Disney uh, through the uh, focus of leadership. What was it about this man that made him such a great leader? And uh, his leadership ability still carries on today, 50 years or so after his death. So uh, check it out on Amazon. Uh, It's in bookstores in the business section. In the meantime, have a wonderful week ahead. And we'll be back next week. And for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, stay tuned always to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.